So we, uh, for, and for those of you that, uh, you know, maybe came in uh, since I've been here. So my name's Corey Brown, uh, Norman, as, you know, we've noticed the typical, uh, or your pastor, right, is not here today. So uh, I'm filling in and couldn't be more excited to, to bring the word. Today is Pentecost Sunday, so the day that the Holy Spirit poured down upon us and we do happen to be in John 16, right, in our series, series as we're going through the, the Gospel of John, and really couldn't be in a better place, right, just soaked in the Spirit, the promise of the Holy Spirit that John is bringing, the words of Jesus that, that he's telling us, that Jesus is promising us. And uh, so going to, to read some of the, the word in the Gospel of John. We're in chapter 16, as mentioned. So going to read verses 13 through 15. When he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak On his own, he will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The living Word of God for the people of God. Amen. I mentioned, you know, it's uh, it's Pentecost Sunday today, and we really have a a Pentecost account in John's Gospel as well. Uh, so want to keep it in, in John's gospel and we'll get there as, uh, as we, we go through, uh, the word here. And, and, you know, he captures the, the essence of the Holy Spirit in God's glory more powerfully, in, in my opinion, than, than any other uh, account, right? He really personifies the person of the Holy Spirit. And only uh, recorded in the Gospel of John and in the, in the first letter of John, uh, that person of, of God, that person of the Holy Spirit that dwells in us when, when we accept Jesus as, as Christians. And in our limitation of language, right, we employ metaphor. So we have one God, right, one being, three persons, capital P, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, in which we have an intimate relationship of unity. And while I graduated right less than three weeks ago, I must admit, right, the Trinity is a profound mystery. Right, the Holy Spirit, Christ God, dwelling within us. And I think Paul says it well in his first letter to Timothy. 1 Timothy 3.16. He says, Great indeed we confessed is the mystery of godliness. 
Jesus manifested in the flesh, was vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. And again, in 1 Corinthians 13, 12, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. And I stress this because I want to glorify the text that we're in. The Word became flesh and speak with passion about it because I'm passionate about it. Right? But at the same time, acknowledge that I'm speaking of things that are ultimately too wonderful for me to know here on earth. The Spirit of God is all around us. God is light, controls the darkness, but at the same time, if we've accepted the gift, that Spirit is also inside of us. In wonder, in power, in love, in peace, in joy, in the ultimate hope, no matter our circumstances. And as we read, Jesus tells us in John 16, Verse 13, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. So let us boldly seek to unpack it. Numa hagios is the Greek word for Holy Spirit. Numa is the spirit and hagios is holy. A holy spirit. And then numa can mean breathe and wind as well. But Numahagios, right, is Holy Spirit. And that's the term used everywhere in the New Testament, other than five times. And it's the Gospel of John where we are today, and once in 1 John that provides us with another word for the Holy Spirit. And in my opinion, at this Word allows us to capture the essence of the Holy Spirit with greater clarity and power. It's a wonderful gift. Right? And the word that's used four times in the Gospel of John is parakletos. All during his intimate final discourse. And parakletos is translated for us in the Bible as advocate, comforter, or helper depending on your translation, the person of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus especially accentuates the love, the peace, and the joy it will bring to those who follow him, who follow Jesus and receive the Holy Spirit. So in John John 14, 16, Jesus says to his disciples, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another Paracletos, advocate, helper, comforter, another Paracletos to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth. You know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. And in 1 John 2 1 in the letter, John states, We have a Paracletos, an advocate, a helper, a comforter with the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the righteous. So the Holy Spirit is not some abstract force 
Right? Jesus and the Holy Spirit are both a parakletos. The Father sends Jesus, and the Father and Jesus send the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit. He is the personal pronoun. The personal pronoun used is, is he, or by the biblical writers. And Jesus again states in John 14, 26 to 27, the parakletos, right, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. In John 16, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. If I do not go away, the parakletos, right, the advocate, the comforter, the helper, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And that's why the Holy Spirit is so powerful. We have God the Father who sent the Son in Jesus himself, a parakletos, and God the Father and God the Son sent Jesus, sent the Holy Spirit. And again, the Spirit is not just some force. Right? It is a person available to all of us when we accept Jesus. He guides us in the truth, teaches us, reminds us, testifies, provides testimony through us. And the Holy Spirit is also a guide for us. And He glorifies Jesus, the Father, and the Father by continuing Jesus' mission through us. And as we read in John 16, 13, when the Spirit of the truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth. And, and what is that truth that Jesus is speaking of? What is truth? Well, it's Himself, right? I am the way, the truth, and the life. An intellectual understanding is one thing, while personally knowing is completely another. As Christians, we grow in an intimate relationship with God, in the Holy Spirit, in Christ, in the Father. And it's through personal experience that we get there, and through personal experience that we grow, growing in Christ, as Scripture tells us repeatedly, in Christ, in the Spirit, synonymous. In Christ, and, and the more we seek after God, the, the more we will find, as, as Scripture tells us as well. Seek and you will find. And for our faith journey, brings us along with, brings others along too, our personal experience. And so I have, I have a special moment I want to share. And we have the intellectual peace and the personal experience. Special moment I want to share. A recent major development in Jesus being the truth for me. I just mentioned, just graduated from Palmer. And we had the opportunity to go to Israel five months ago. For two weeks, from the end of December into the beginning of January. 
And there was 38 of us pilgrims that went, teachers, students, alumni, and some other brothers and sisters in Christ. And honestly, I only went because it was right there in front of me. And I, felt, I almost felt like I had to go. And there was, it counted as a class. And it was squeezed right between two semesters starting. I had to finish my thesis, write my thesis. Um, but, you know, felt, felt like I had to go. And it seemed like everyone else was more excited about it than me. And, and I didn't realize, though, how special it would be, how holy the Holy Land really is. And so we're there, we're floating on the Sea of Galilee where Jesus walked on water. Excavations of synagogues, the Torah scroll tables, and based on time and location, where Jesus absolutely could have taught there. Thank you, sir. The water of life. Amen. Seeing the Dead Sea Scrolls and where they were found and so much more. But I, but I want to highlight one. Completely unexpected, just following along, professors, you know, in the group. We went to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. And, you know, I didn't even know what sepulchre meant, which is kind of embarrassing to say. Right, so in the, in the King James Version, right, it says the empty sepulcher, right, the empty tomb se- sepulcher. So, um, yeah, it's a, yeah. And so but we walked into the church, right, so into the, into the church of the Holy Sepulcher, and it is so incredibly beautiful. And prior to going as well, I always thought, you know, our relationship would just, should just be with Jesus and should, uh, should just be really with God and icons and the cross, right? Not, not so much into it, but it really gave me an appreciation for artwork and how beautiful it is and how it can really bring out the gift that Jesus gave us and, and just really to bring us into an intimate relationship with, with God. And, and this, this really, I think, accentuates it or, Tries to, right? So just one giant exquisite piece of artwork, the church. You have Abraham and Isaac, right, with an angel intervening and a, and a ram that, that's caught up in the thicket of the bushes that's, uh, and it's all mosaic tile. I don't know if, if you guys have ever seen that, but, you know, it's tiny little pieces, uh, that are like as shiny as can possibly be and just covering the entire ceiling of this gigantic church all over. You have John with an angel on the island of Patmos and blue mosaic tile, right? That's, that's all around, rounded across the entire ceiling, right? Ivy just weaving around image after image. And where there wasn't mosaic tile, there was beautifully framed artwork. You have the apostle John. He was holding the scroll of John 1-1 that's written in Greek. And silver and golden figures, including Mother Mary, decorated tile throughout. So from ceiling to the floor, from wall to wall, one giant piece of artwork. We go into Jesus' tomb, right, as we're walking towards Jesus' tomb. There's a uh, an aticule first before you go into it, decorated with silver and gold lamps, the risen Christ. And that's before you, you get into, into the tomb. Um, and then upon entering the tomb, right, I didn't really know what to do other than dropping to my knees 
prostrate and, and just kissing it, right? And which is, I mean, think about how many people have done that, right? I mean, it's, it's kind of gross, right? But you don't really know what to do. And there were a few things that were like that, right? There were other things like that too, but it, it's just, I don't know. It's just it's so, so holy, right? And that's, that's Jesus and where, uh, I mean, slain and lain, right? The seeming defeat to victory two millennia ago is, is so, so holy. And then everyone's different, right? And God mystery reveal, mysteriously reveals God's self in different ways. And this is just an experience on, on my part of the journey, right? And so after I, I exited the tomb, I encountered, experienced Jesus in, in, a, in a way I never had prior. Who knows what the future may hold? Um, and, and I've come to know God, you know, through the years in, in different ways, right? Coincidences, call them creator ordained incidences, C.O.incidences, creator ordained incidences. It's because they're, they're so frequent, right? And so advantageous. I feel like a name had to, had to be, uh, given for them. And then extreme feelings of presence from, from time to time. But this is the first thing I would qualify for, for me. Um, and I would have even thought it would have been almost odd to say, right, six months ago, but you now this was five months ago. It's, it's, it's a mystical moment. And 30 minutes more, really, to, to be precise, right? So I was moving away from the tomb, and then I found myself in, in a, a divine trance, right, where... You know, it's just this complete peace, and, and I would say, you know, enveloped in the spirit, I think is, is the best way to say, where everything's, you know, kind of moving around you, but you're just kind of floating about, right, feel sort of in the world, but not of the world, right? So, and Paul talks about being in the spirit, right? And John does too, but they have visions, right? They have voices. It was nothing like that, right? Not my feet are firmly planted in the church, right? It's, but just this profound sense of, of peace and, uh, and, and, and quiet and serenity and calmness. And, um, so, you know, is there some sort of presence there, right? From the tomb? I think we believe that there was as Christians. Right? So Jesus and then the Holy Spirit, right? God, the Trinity. And, and I don't know, right? A complete, you know, a, a, quite the mystery. And, uh, and only later, right, did I find these words, uh, from a British Anglican priest sermon. It's a quote from Austin Ferrer. He was a good friend of C.S. Lewis. He said it was by dying that Jesus set open forever a door between earth and heaven. His sepulcher is a piece of heaven, a place of angels, where Jesus lies sacrificed for us. Heaven is opened. A great shaft of light falls from above, and the angels of God are seen ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. For the act of love that makes the Son of God die for us, brings all the angels down. And so that quote, that might capture the beauty and the brevity than all of my effort that I tried to, to describe in, in the experience. But you know, I, I've come to know, like, as time goes on, right, there's a mounting awareness for me, 
right? That there is a, a, a oneness that you feel and, and how important our creator it, being in feeling, you know, that, that you're in Christ, right? And that taking on a, on a new meaning. And I think, you know, personal experience is so important as that spiritual armor for us is strengthened and, and to think of, of how important experience is. And we all experience God in our own ways, right? According to God's grace. I'm sure we all have our own story, right? About hearing God or feeling God or experiencing God in our own way. And according to his grace, God's grace in, in God's own time. And that's exactly what we see in John's Pentecost account. That the disciples experience. That's in John twenty nineteen through 22. Jesus came to them and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And I mentioned how this is a, a Pentecost account right, within the Gospel of John. So, And then he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Right, the promise delivered. Peace, joy, and all the fruit of the Spirit that comes along with it as they continue Jesus' mission and as they write about it. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, forgiveness. So how do we set ourselves up right, for this to continue to grow in Jesus, to grow in the Holy Spirit for us, to grow in intimacy with, with God? Right, one way is, is obedience, right? If you love me, you will obey my, my commands by saying yes to different opportunities, to follow Jesus, to serve, do justice. And so education for those that are less fortunate, prison ministry, mission trips, Helping a neighbor, neighbor, and love your neighbor as yourself, and whatever God has on your heart personally. And then spiritual rhythms, right? Bible read, reading to encounter the living word, experience God growing with Jesus. The word became flesh, right? The word is spirit, and it's alive and as 3D as you want to make it, right? As 3D as you're willing to make it experiencing the character of God in quiet time with Jesus, meditation, walks, slowing down, just being with God, listening for God's voice. As Jesus says, my sheep know my voice. Prayer life, fellowship, hospitality, worship, like right now, and evangelism, right? Sharing Jesus. If we can do that with joy, seasoning our conversation with salt, as Paul says, and letting the peace and joy shine through us, that is a beautiful, beautiful thing. And we all have different gifts, right, from the Spirit. And then just simple things, right? Grace, even saying grace before a meal, thankfulness, thankfulness for life. Right? Just saying yes to going on a trip to Israel. 
And knowing that God's grace is there all the time, right? The Spirit is in you, is in me, as a person, right? And Jesus provided us the evidence of the ultimate hope of the age to come. A crucifixion that in reality was a glorification. Death defeated eternal life. Let us pray. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, thank you so much for today. Thank you for the the fellowship and the worship that you allow us to come together and be with one another. The sacrifice that you offered for us and the teaching that you gave us and the love that you showed us and how to live into that. And that ultimate hope that you gave us of the age to come of heaven. And the Holy Spirit that fills us right now, that dwells among us. And let us walk in step with that and experience you. And Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen.